Welcome to Mind Love, episode 146. Today's episode is all about the outdated rules that keep us small. We live in a world that is sort of encouraging us to deny our nature, right? Because we live in a world that's very, very overstimulated. We live in a world that's like push, go, go, go. It's um, achievement oriented. It's, um, it's logical. It's a world that also demands women to be sacrificing, harmonious, rule following. And so uh, because of all that, we actually lose touch with that, that fundamental nature. And so understanding, peeling back each of those layers is key to then also aligning with that nature. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, subscribers and reviews are really, really helpful to me, and it's a really easy way to give back if this content is helpful to you. So I just want to give a shout out to someone who left me a recent review that really touched my heart. Katarina says, I have been listening to this podcast for a few months now. Every single episode has been so unbelievably helpful. The insight Melissa has and the authenticity is palpable. I'm grateful for this podcast, what it's helping me heal and supporting my growth. I love this podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. Well, thank you so much, Katarina. It means so much to me to read things like this. So if you're out there and you haven't left a review yet, I would be so appreciative if you did. But of course, sending you all my love either way. And now into the good stuff. Do you ever just feel like there's this constant pressure floating above your head for you to be something? To be a good citizen or a good partner or to be a certain kind of successful or to fit in? We tend to place expectations on ourselves that aren't necessarily our own. I think we all feel it in one way or another, just maybe in different areas of our lives. Men are told to man up or take it like a man. And women are told to be a good girl and be polite and stay quiet. And my personal pet peeve, you should smile more. Literally, a TSA agent told me that I'd be a lot prettier if I smiled. While in the airport, flying home for my father's funeral when I was 19. I am not quite over that one. For women, all these expectations have had a lot of unintended consequences, one of which is called good girl syndrome. And I'm sure something similar applies to men. I tried looking up good boy syndrome and kept getting dog websites with the title, who's a good boy? (laughs) So we'll just skip the name for that one right now, but you get the gist. I've spoken to so many women who are in some way affected by this whole idea of being a good girl. But honestly, the whole good girl syndrome has always kind of evaded me a bit. I have a huge rebel streak in me, so there's really nothing that I do because I feel like I should. It needs to make logical sense. And if everyone else is doing it, usually my rebel streak kicks in and I want to do something different, or I start to at least question why. A few examples... Fathers giving their daughters away at their weddings. Wasn't having that one. Do you know that that originated with women being property and transferring ownership from one man to the next? Or taking your husband's last name? Yeah, it's super common, but why is it that women are just expected to give up a part of their identities and be like proud about it? And maybe your argument is, well, your identity isn't really wrapped up in a name. 
Well, if that's so, why do men make such a big deal of passing on their family name? And women aren't even given the option. Nope, not doing it. Or basically, most things about our handling of COVID. But I'll let that one be. I have triggered enough people in my life with my views on that one. So I never really thought that I had a tendency to be a good girl, as they say. But then I started researching it more. You know how I said that this can affect us each in different ways? Well, for some, you might be constantly thinking of what you should do, or you hate breaking the rules, or you feel the need to look or act a certain way in public. That's not necessarily me. But here's where it gets me. Putting others ahead of yourself. Definitely did that in relationships and friendships. Or the need for perfection. Yep. Or putting logic above intuition. Got me there for a long time, too. All of these tendencies negatively affect your relationships, career, and your overall well-being. They keep you in a box. A box of this idea of a person and how they should be in the world. These tendencies tear you away from your individuality and from really leaning into your unique gifts and your expression of self. So not only does this affect your happiness, it can also keep you from finding your voice or getting your ideas out into the world. As our guest today says, it's the blind spot that's zapping most of your power as a creative badass. Today we're talking to Maho Malfino. She's an author, designer, and women's leadership expert, and she guides women to design and share a creative dream with the world. Three key things we will learn are how the patriarchy manifests inside everyone, five myths we live by and how they affect every aspect of our lives, and how to break free from our invisible cages. But before we dive in, do you wish you had a little reminder to help you stay aligned each day? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power list to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Maho Malfino to the show. Thanks so much, Melissa. So first, let's get a little background on you. What originally inspired you to start focusing so much of your work on female empowerment? Well, I grew up as your stereotypical good girl in that I was a daughter of immigrants. I loved my teachers and my parents and uh, was kind of the golden child who got straight A's and won the, won the trophies and spelling bees. And was, life was all about achievement, getting the highest possible degree in education that I could. And eventually that caught up to me um, in my early 20s. I ended up at a dead-end job in a cubicle working in Washington, D.C., feeling pretty crushed and confused about what my purpose was. And I had this very vivid moment of looking at myself in the mirrors and the elevators at that job and feeling like I was playing a role, feeling that there was an essential self and soul that was buried under that pantsuit and the itchy blazer I was wearing. And um, that became one epiphany out of many of questioning how I grew up 
and what landed me here, you know? And one of the things that I realized was I received a lot of messages about how I should be and how I should act as a woman and what it meant to be a good daughter and what it meant to be a standout daughter of immigrant. And I've spent a lot of my time, particularly in the last 10 years, unlearning that conditioning and that's what I'm so passionate about in supporting women, because we all receive messages, um, especially between the ages of zero to 18, that deeply affect our leadership today. You know, I've heard this quite a bit from people that were children of immigrants. What is it, for those that don't understand, that maybe grew up here, what different experiences or messages are you receiving as a child of an immigrant that you think is different than somebody who maybe did grow up in the States? I love this question. Uh, it shows me that you're very curious. <laughs> and I feel that as a daughter of immigrants, <clears throat> we particularly feel a lot of pressure to repay our parents. So the mentality is sort of like, from the beginning of our childhood, we're hearing this message of, we sacrificed so much, we left our country to give you a better opportunity. And so that creates, automatically from the beginning, creates this sense of, wow, I better, um, I better repay that sacrifice. And I don't want to disappoint my parents who've sacrificed so much for me to get here. I want to make sure that I get the highest possible education. I want to make sure that their sacrifice was worthwhile. The risk that they took to leave their country and give me a better opportunity, I want to make sure that that doesn't get squandered. <laughs> and so that's the feeling. So there's a lot of pressure. And so a lot of first generation and daughters of and, and sons of immigrants will tell you that that's sort of like an underlying programming that's always there. And then the other thread is choosing a safe, conventional job. Even if a lot of immigrants were entrepreneurs, like own their own restaurants or uh, started their own small businesses in the U.S., they still want their kids often, ironically, to pursue a safe profession such as medicine, engineering, uh, often things in the sciences, which I talk a lot about in my book, Under the Good Girl Myth of Logic, because my father was a scientific researcher and because science was seen as sort of the most conventional and safest profession you could choose, I very much believed in the story that I had to follow logic above creativity and above artistry. It was only until, like I mentioned, that first epiphany in my early 20s and going into my 20s, I started to unlearn and unwind a lot of that. Yeah, I can relate to having that mentality. My stepdad was a police officer. My mom worked at a grocery store back when you could afford to pay your family, <laughs> like support a family on a grocery yes. store wage. So crazy how things have changed. But it's funny. I remember having a conversation at the time. My first entrepreneur idea was to start a travel blog. I was like, I could travel around, get free travel. And it worked for a while. It just wasn't fulfilling to me. I didn't want to be um, on top of a mountain having to live stream or like ending my day writing up a list of things to do. I, I wanted to layer deeper, which is, it led me to here though. But I remember having this conversation with my stepdad and I was just like, yeah, like I want to live an unconventional lifestyle. And he's like, but you can't do that. You, how are you going to pay for things? And it was just like, exactly. he could not see around it. And I was like, well, I'll show you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that messaging is, is really deep. And for those of us who want to start our own businesses or become thought leaders, authors, uh, podcasters, and see if we can make livelihood from it, we have to look at all that messaging and start to unpack it. Otherwise we won't be able to move forward. It's interesting. I was just watching a video 
by Grant Cardone. And he had this big event, that his big 10X events. He's got all these followers. And he has a 10-year-old daughter who's like beautiful. Oh, my God. I just saw that. Did I you? Just, yeah. Oh, my God. I just watched it. And I was just sitting there in awe. And my husband and I are both entrepreneurs. And we're like, I cannot wait to raise a kid with a different mindset. Because seeing what she knows that she is able to do and the way that she speaks and the way that she owned the room and paused between sentences like she had stage presence and it's just interesting to be able to be that person where I can look and say man I wish I had parents that opened me up to that where would I be now but I can get just as excited to be like I am so glad I'm going to be that parent for my kid to show them that there's other ways absolutely Before we totally expand our minds, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you just get a little inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a super powerful 30-minute affirmation meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and EstroControl is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I love that. And I think it's so important that we also figure out what, what feels most authentic uh, for us to do. So in my book, Break the Good Girl Myth, I go through the five good girl myths. And for each one, we go really deep. And I talk about the powers that you can reclaim when you break that myth. 
And one of them has to do with rules. It's the first myth that I talk about, the myth of rules. And the reason that I start there is because I, I know you and your audience, you, you talk a lot about purpose. And when we're following other people's expectations, particularly the expectations of our parents, uh, what we give up is our connection to our purpose. And I think when I was in my early 20s at that dead-end job, that's what I was having. I was having a crisis of purpose. But this happens to women at many junctures in life, many crossroads, not just in your early 20s, but in many transitional phases and, and periods of change in a woman's long life. She will have a moment where she will have to ask herself again, am I living by the rules and expectations of other people? Or am I living by my true authentic self and purpose? And I think when I think back to what's so powerful about seeing for you, what it sounds like when you observe that 10-year-old girl was a sense that she was doing it from her own authentic place versus the expectations of other people. Right. I do see that. And I can, I had to do that same process of unmuddling and even ask myself, I didn't get a lot of messages of you should be this. I did always expect to be successful. I was always really independent, never really asked for help or for my parents' input about anything. So I did have an idea that I could be anything. But when I would bring up certain things, I could maybe see the skepticism on their face or whatnot. But with that, for me, it was almost like I had a lot of different options. I'm like, well, what do I want to do? And then I'd figure out what this idea of purpose was. And I'd hear certain things from people and really think, well, it sounds like we each have just one purpose. And what if I pick the wrong one? And I get that a lot from people where they're like, I can't find my purpose. And what I end up telling them is take the pressure off yourself because you're going to get narrow-minded. If you have this pressure, you're going to be in this place of resistance instead of allowing. And instead, just find something that feels purposeful or meaningful for now. And I know you have a really great process for finding meaning in your next action. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Absolutely. I love that, Melissa, because I agree. I think there's a lot of pressure around finding your one purpose. And the truth is, we have many callings in our lifetime. When I dive into this section in the book, I'm talking about redefining success for ourselves, which is like, how do we unearth the things that truly give us meaning? And where do we look for those things? And there are a few places that I think offer us clues that can really help us clarify meaning and help us redefine success. So one of them is looking at the wisdom of joy. So it's as simple as thinking about what you most intrinsically enjoy. And the reason I talk about this is like when you're going into the, when you're living by the myth of rules or the myth of perfection, which is another myth I break down, it can suck out the joy from some of the greatest sources of natural intrinsic joy we have. And that's dangerous because enjoyment is so interrelated with attention, right? Like if you don't enjoy something, you're not gonna continue at it. And so I really invite my readers to tap into what Joseph Campbell once called your bliss station. What's your bliss station, right? So I think that's really important. And then the other thing 
along that, which is a, a thread, is looking at what gives you flow. A positive psychologist, Csikszentmihalyi, he coined a, a theory of flow when he was observing surfers. He noticed surfers could go out and surf for hours on end. Now my husband's a surfer and he does that. He literally wakes up. I've never seen, he wakes up at like 5 a.m. because he loves to, the feeling he gets when he's in flow, when he surfs. And we all have activities that give us flow. So tapping into that, that's another place that we can look. Again, around what gives us meaning and deep satisfaction. Because work is supposed to be a source of satisfaction. It's not supposed to be something that we, we spend so much of our lives working. How many hours? You know, eight hours a day, that adds up to thousands of hours a year. And so it's so important to us to really choose things and activities that are going to give us flow, joy, and if that feels like, whoa, that's really crazy, I can't think of those things, then going back to basics of curiosity. Well, what are you curious about? Um, what is pulling at you? And so these are some of the tools that I talk about when we're looking at the wisdom of joy. I also believe in looking at the flip side, like the wisdom of pain and the wisdom of death, because I think when you look at the other extreme, suffering, we also get clues about what matters to us. What have been our deepest challenges? Uh, where have we really um, felt stuck in life? What are some personal beliefs we've had to overcome? All of these things point us to our purpose as well. And so, yes, this is about creating a life for us that isn't, is by design and not by default and starting from the inside out instead of outside in, which is the myth of rules and social expectations and gender norms. I totally agree. And that was something that I had to realize that I think we think, okay, well, I'm getting a job now. Okay. And that my next job is a little bit better than the last one. Hey, I just got a promotion over here. And we think that if we just keep following those openings that we're going to magically find that thing that lights us up. But I think in a lot of cases, we start getting further and further from it because we start following the opportunity more so than we're following our own internal guidance. And for me, I remember getting to a place and being like, I am miserable in this job right now. And from the outside, it seemed like I had a great job. I even got to work from home. It had all these surface level things of like the freedom that I was looking for, the pay that I was looking for, but I was miserable. And so I had to start getting intentional about what I wanted. And I did those very activities where I was like, writing self-reflection journaling mm -hmm. activities. Like, what do I really want? When was the last time I was happy? What do I love about my job? What do I hate about it? And it's hard because then you start to see, well, I'm not necessarily where I want to be. And now there's all these steps. Do I have to go backwards? Whatever. And for me, what really worked is my first step wasn't just quitting my job. My first step was actually getting more intentional within my job and being like, Okay, you know, there's three areas that I have to do that I'm curious about. Like, I have the ability to have all this ad spend to understand the psychology of all these different users of apps that could help me later on. Let me try to get more curious and joyful about just that aspect of my job. And then the next step was starting a little side project that lit me up, which ended up being yeah. the Mind Love podcast, which led to here. I love that. And I agree completely. I never want I don't want anyone to listen to my story and think, well, now I got to quit my job. In fact, when I work with clients, I work with a majority of my clients are women who work full time in design or tech in conventional industries, and they're looking for more joy and 
more flow and purpose and meaning in their careers, I don't tell them, let's take a huge financial risk and uh, take the leap and quit your job and move to like India or something. I actually work with them on prototyping, which brings in uh, my background in design. I studied learning design and technology, and it's one of my biggest passions is design thinking for this exact reason, because I really believe in the power of prototyping to help build creative confidence. Um, And we can prototype literally any idea we have. And it's when we're in a full-time job, we are uniquely positioned to do that. We have the safety and comfort to start that side business. And we have Think of your job. It's about a mental reframe, I think, around thinking about uh, investing in in your future and thinking of your job as an investment in your future instead of thinking of it as a, like a burden or something that's keeping you back from it. And I think that's a, a huge shift that that we can make. And so I agree. I don't think we have to take these big risks. I think we can prototype our ideas and build creative confidence in small ways. And I argue in the book that that's the exact way that we overcome perfectionism. Because when we're starting a side project and when we're being a beginner at something, again, we can't afford to be perfect. Otherwise, we're never going to advance. So it's prototyping is a huge part of my work in coaching. And it's, it's smack in the middle of the book. I spent a good deal of time on it because I know it's something that is so practical that can support women in transitioning over towards their creative dreams. I'm glad that you brought up the myth of perfection. It's the second myth that you discuss in your book. It's one that I think plagues all of us. And when I was first reading it, it reminds me of perfection that I dealt with, first of all, as both somebody who worked in a corporation and somebody who was an entrepreneur. And they, it got me in different ways. And what's funny, it's like, okay, so as an entrepreneur, I see a lot of entrepreneurs where they're afraid to put something out there because it feels so vulnerable until it's perfect. And because of that, they don't get a lot done. It's the people that can figure out how to fight through that and just ship it, as Seth Godin says, or or release mm-hmm. your ugly first draft, whatever you call it, of whatever you're working on. And you're going to learn more and actually get more done even if you have to go redo it. And then in corporation, what I found, I would start these jobs and I was like the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed newcomer with all these ideas. And I'd come in and be like, oh, I can see all, all these places where systems can be redone and I have this grand idea for here. And then it's like a, a lot of people that have been working in it for a long time often have this mentality already that like, oh, that can't get done or that's going to be too many steps Mm -hmm. to get there or whatever. And it's just like they slowly drown out your light. (laughs) And so then you even stop trying. So how do you start to work through that idea of wanting to be perfect all the time? Yeah. I'm so glad that you could see it play out both in entrepreneurship and corporate life. That's, uh, That's wonderful. And I think what I really invite women to do and readers is look at it in their childhood too, because some of it is like, oh, we have to look at our past to understand our present. And one of the things I talk about is very core idea that's been shown in the scientific literature and Carol Dweck's work. She's a psychologist at Stanford around fixed versus growth mindset. And many of us as little girls, if we're perfectionists today, it means that as little girls, we were probably praised by parents and teachers for being quote unquote gifted, talented, special, etc. And why that's important is now we know through research that that actually is damaging in many ways because when we are praised for effort and process, 
we actually go a lot further. And that's why there are differences between boys and girls. Boys are praised for process more so than fixed traits, whereas girls are praised for fixed traits. And when you're praised for process, you have a growth mindset. And that's what you need. You need a growth mindset to overcome perfectionism in entrepreneurship, but also any naysayers that are coming your way in a corporate environment, right? So I think what's so important is to understand, go back to looking at ages zero to 18 and trying to understand, okay, what were the messages I received that may have led me to believe I had to be perfect? And if I wasn't the best at something or better than other people at something, it wasn't worth trying or even beginning. Because I think that's what, where a lot of women get stuck is they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to feel embarrassed. And a lot of that has to do with what happened in childhood. Maybe you had a critical moment where you took a risk with your voice and someone squashed you. And since then, now you feel blocked in that area. It feels hard to speak up. It feels hard to share what you really mean in a relationship. So I think it's important to look at our quote unquote creativity scars as Brene Brown calls them, because that's the thing that is also squashing our creative confidence. And then from there, you free up some energy through awareness and you can start building creative confidence through prototyping. And prototyping is really like, I think I already mentioned it and what it is, but I think what's super interesting about it is that it breaks our obsession with looking put together because when we embrace a prototype, we are embracing that it's purposefully scrappy. We are basically saying, I'm embracing that this thing is imperfect and I'm showing you anyways. And there's a powerful, when we do that, that's extremely powerful to us crossing over to the other side and being seen and vulnerable. So in the book, I break down how to get started with prototyping, how to make your prototype, how to bring an idea, bring it down into a prototype, what kinds of constraints we need to embrace in order to prototype, because that's really important. And then how to identify what I call your vulnerability edge, which is we want to play at that edge where you are not so uncomfortable that you get paralyzed <laughs> um, and feel like you can't move forward because you're so gripped by fear but you're not so comfortable that you're not growing. So you need to learn how to identify your vulnerability edge. And I have a process for that, for you to do that, because that's where you're going to grow. And touching that edge is so important. In my own journey, writing this book is a vulnerability edge. You know, the stories I've included in here, <laughs> uh, the amount of work and dedication I put for three years into this project and for it to be seen and read by other people in a way that could be criticized or praised. All of that is vulnerability. And so living at your edge, I think, is key to your growth and becoming the woman you want to be. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. 
They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Alla Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. I'm really glad that you brought up Carol Dweck's uh, Growth Mindset. It was one of those books that I put off for a really long time because I'm like, okay, I've read so many books. I know what growth mindset is. But there's little things in there that aren't necessarily your first thought or how you would think to react to things. And a good example is in children. And I'm pregnant right now, so it's something that I'm thinking about even more which is another thing about vulnerability, (laughs) totally unprepared for what pregnancy actually brought me. I did not know it was going to be this uncomfortable all the time. (laughs) I'm in the first three trimesters and it's one of those things where women don't talk about in their Mm -hmm. first or in their first trimester, the first three months. And so uh, I've been trying to spend a lot of times on forums and stuff like that to actually see, okay, I'm not failing at being pregnant. (laughs) This stuff is normal. People just aren't talking about it in real life. But one of the examples with children and growth mindset is that, and I see it happening with my little cousins, actually. There's everyone's always saying, oh, she's so smart. or And that's what I heard when I was younger. Yes. And, oh, you always finish the test first. And she she's just so fast at everything. And she always gets it right. And 
And so then when it would come to something that I would be afraid of not living up to that expectation, then I wouldn't do it or I'd cheat. (laughs) And and if you can instead be like, oh, Melissa's always willing to try something or she's awesome. She just always steps up and will try something new regardless of if she knows if she's good at it or not. Things like that where it encourages people to be vulnerable, not to be perfect or right or smart is so, so important. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. And I had the same experience as a little girl. I quit so many things. I quit piano. I quit clarinet. I quit harmonica, like every musical instrument you can think of. I quit playing tennis. I quit soccer, almost every sport. Um, And I think back to why did I quit? (laughs) I quit volleyball too. And I think it was because I wasn't amazing at it right off the bat. And I was used to being really good at things right away because I was such a fast learner and it's I got good grades and I was just quote unquote smart and I was told I was smart. And so when I was ever bad at anything or if I ever sucked at anything, I didn't think it was worth pursuing. Of course, I had to unlearn that in my 20s when I started my own business because guess what? There's a huge learning curve when you start your own business and you suck at a lot of things and things move quickly. And particularly with technology and online marketing, it's like you're constantly in a learning mode. So if you don't have a growth mindset, you're done. You can't move forward. And so I think for those of us who are moms and are listening, it's so important to praise children for effort and for their persistence and also their level of attention with which they do an activity and the level of joy that they derive from that activity. Like those things are better than, they're more telling than performance. I think if we grew up under the lens of performance our whole lives, it's really, really hard to live vulnerably and authentically. So, and I argue also in the book that there's a even a greater sort of expectation on women to be perfect in various areas of life because of the society we grew up in. It's like, not only do you have to excel at work, you have to excel, you have to excel in all your roles and you have to perform in all of them almost effortlessly without breaking a sweat. And that leads to burnout. That leads to stress, chronic stress disorders. That leads to autoimmune things. Like it leads to a lot of things. So it's so important for us as women to unlearn this good girl myth of perfection and reclaim that vulnerability that is ours. I can get into two different mindsets about the idea of quitting things. On one hand, I quit a lot of things too, and probably a lot of them were for that same reason that you did. It's one thing to try a bunch of things before you're good at one thing, but then it's like once you become good at one thing, it's hard to go back to the beginning of anything else because <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to get into flow with this yet, all of that stuff. But on the yeah. other hand, I can look at it and be like, I think it is important to try a bunch of things to figure out which thing lights you up. And yeah. what age do you get to to where you're actually able to discern if you're doing it f- you're quitting for the right reasons. Like, and this might even fit into the myth of logic because you talk about choosing logic over intuition and decision-making. And I think part of that is getting in touch with your intuition of, is this something that I want to spend a lot more time on uh, that I want to invest my valuable time and effort in, or did I try it and like learned what I need to and move on? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's such a good point. And I think It relates to intuition, but it's funny, while you were talking, it also relates to sacrifice. Because for any creative project or new skill or new endeavor, new journey you're about to embark on, there's going to be a lot of sacrifice. And 
you've got to ask yourself, again, is this worthwhile? Is this truly meaningful to me enough that I want to continue on with this? And in order to get to even that question, you have to try a lot of different things. And I spent my 20s course correcting quite a bit and figuring out, prototyping different careers, different jobs. And in that sense, actually, I think you're right. In that context, quitting was positive. Like quitting my first job was a good idea. Quitting my second job was a good idea. Quitting that uh, consulting job was a great idea because I realized I cut my losses early, right? This idea of failing fast is really important. So you can move forward and do process of elimination to get to what you really want to do. What is your deeper why? Why are you really here? Once I was able to anchor in on my purpose being supporting women, it became clear that that was something worth sacrificing a lot for. And it was worth me being bad for a period of time and even being a little embarrassed by stuff I put out because I believed in the mission so much. I think once you align with a greater why and a mission, a deeper mission, in that devotion, you can put up with a lot. And uh, that's, that's really, really special. And I think it's something that allows us to to have a fulfilling life. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually just mentioned it, I think the last episode, because I had been diagnosed with ADD. And it's one mm. of those things that I've learned to unravel where I think we just live in an overprescribed place. I think that we don't, we sometimes look at things as uh, diagnoses instead of what could be a superpower if we learn to just embrace each other's differences. And if I had used what I knew about the way that I worked as a guideline towards better habits, better diet, better uh, actually reaching for my purpose, and I mentioned that, finding my why made it so much easier to deal with it all holistically mm -hmm, because it's mm -hmm. like, of course, I'm going to get distracted and, and be wanting to move on to the next thing if I'm doing something that doesn't feed my soul. But when I started to remind myself, and it's something I still have to remind myself, I know how purposeful the work I do is, but there's not still days that it doesn't become monotonous that I have to sit back down and be like, let me go read through some of my listener emails. Yeah. Let me uh, do the part of my job that I really love to do. I love actually looking for guests because I'm like, who can I talk to next? I find that uh, to be really fun. And so just diving into those things, all of a sudden I'm revamped and it's so much easier to just focus. And I think so much of our, we're just kind of feeling melancholy all over the place. And it's like, but have you spent the time to do that? And again, it doesn't need to be the one thing that you land on. But if you find something that gives you purpose for this moment, there's a greater chance that that is open up the door to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, and just remain open-minded. And I feel that you'll be in a place where you're like, I love what I'm doing. This whole journey has been interesting. Yes. I love that. And I think what you're talking about too is like understanding our nature and having that self-knowledge. Right. Like when you understood that you had ADD, when I understood that I was a highly sensitive person, I have HSP. Me too. <laughs> um, oh, you do? Okay. It's a fellow HSP. -er. I'm extremely HSP. When I understood that, I was like, okay, yeah, I need to design my life around that. And so what kinds of work feel most aligned to that with that nature? I think the issue becomes we live in a world that is sort of encouraging us to deny our nature. 
right? Because mm-hmm. we live in a world that's very, very overstimulated. We live in a world that's like push, go, go, go. It's um, achievement oriented. It's um, it's logical. It's a world that also demands women to be sacrificing, harmonious, rule following. And so because of all that, we actually lose touch with that, that fundamental nature. And so understanding peeling back each of those layers is key to then also aligning with that nature. So peeling back the layer of logic, peeling back the layer of sacrifice, peeling back the layer of the pressure to feel like you have to be harmonious all the time or easy to get along with and likable, like getting that through that so that you can live with your nature, (laughs) which means that you might disappoint people. You might piss some people off. You probably will. You know, it's not you might, you will. And that's where I think um, courage comes in. You know, it's a radical act to live in accordance with our nature. One part of your book that I really liked was when you started talking about just asking yourself, what do you notice? And it was around the same part where you're talking about being aware of your own conditioning using these invisible rules checklists. And I love that. I've talked about something similar where I called it a self-belief audit. Somebody had recommended that I just start to be intentional about what beliefs were running my life. And I mean, we have probably a hundred thousand each, maybe more, but even just getting the ones that were coming to the top of my head a week process of carrying around a journal. It's like, why am I doing this one thing? What belief is underlying that? Is it limiting or is it beneficial? And just starting to take note to see which things do I actually want running my life and which beliefs do I want to transform in one way or another. And so I'm curious in your method, how is that different or the same to maybe the self-belief audit? Well, I haven't done your self-belief audit. I'd love to. It sounds rad. (laughs) I think what's interesting about looking at rules is rules come, you can trace rules back to specific communities and contexts um, in a way that might be a little harder with beliefs. Um, So for example, I talk about in the first chapter, looking at the main messengers of the patriarchy, family, religion, school, and what I'll call pop culture, mainstream media. And when you look at these messengers, you realize these messengers have their own set of rules. It's almost like a package deal. Religion has a package deal set of rules. Family has a package deal set of rules. And so it's really interesting to go through each context of your life and realize, wow, I be by being simply born into this world, I'm born into various communities and systems that I didn't necessarily choose. And they have their own set of rules that I didn't necessarily choose and I'm defaulting into. Not only am I defaulting into, I'm swallowing them and internalizing them, and then they're getting lodged into my subconscious mind and they're orienting my behavior, they're orienting the actions I take. So I'm very much into uh, tying the relationship between culture and belief. So how do these external cultures exert this top-down effect on us that then affects us in our minds and in how we um, in how we live our lives? And uh, that's the whole hypothesis of the book. The whole premise of the book is that we're born into the patriarchy, but and yet the patriarchy lodges itself into us, and it's a system that's within us that we have to look at and unlearn and unpack in order to come back to that essential self and in order to find that deeper purpose. So yes, I think it's so important to go through and look with a critical eye at each community and system you were born into 
um, really look at every rule <laughs> and think to yourself, do I really want that? Is that truly aligned with um, who I am? And it can be hard work to do because it can be really uncomfortable. You'll notice that uh, a lot of you'll have a lot of check marks in the checklist all the way down. You'll notice that there's some contradictions because a lot of these systems are also strangely contradictory. Like if you grew up in a religious community, but then you grew up watching a lot of movies or, you know, videos of music videos that gave you opposing messages about what it means to be a sexual woman, then you're going to feel conflicted. You know, we get a lot of messages about what it means to be a motherhood mother and what it means to be a working woman. So there are a lot of contradictions too. And that's, I think it's important to even just note those contradictions because then you realize you can't win when you play this game. No matter what, you'll always have a set of rules by some community that contradicts another set of rules by another community. So you can't please everybody. <laughs> and it's not even it's not even possible, you know? So then it goes, it's like the only person you can please is yourself. The only person that you can really align with is you. And that's a powerful aha to have, which is wow, I can really go with what I think. What is my desire? What is my opinion? What is my need? What does my body need? What does my heart need? What does my mind need? And that you're coming back to that self-knowledge that is so fundamental to living a good life. Yeah. When I first started my spiritual journey, I remember just ignoring a lot of my environment. And I do think it was a, a good first step for me because I was learning all this new information. I was understanding how the law of attraction worked, like really what it meant to clear my mind and focus on one thing that meant a lot to me and feel the shifts in that area. But what I started to realize the more I dug is that exactly what you're saying. It's like we're given messages all the time. We're living in a system that isn't necessarily for our best interest. You can see it in the pharmaceutical industry, in our media, like in everywhere. And I, I really started to learn that when I got really intentional about my health. And it's like, well, what's in our food? Why are we overprescribed things? Why have I been on Adderall for 10 years? Like all of these things. Why are so many people in my family taking God knows how many medications every single day and do they actually need them? And is it a, like, I could just go on forever. Yeah. And I started to realize that you can't ignore the things going on around you. That in one way is spiritual bypassing. Another way is setting yourself up for failure because if you want to be intentional about your life or your health or your happiness, you need to know how you're being influenced so you can counteract it. Otherwise, yes. you're going to think it's intuition when really it's just brainwashing. <laughs> yes. Yes. So important. I'm so glad you brought that up. hundred percent. I don't, I feel like that was a mic drop. I don't even need to add to it. <laughs> well, uh, there's so much goodness in your book. We There's still a couple more myths that we didn't even go into deep detail with. So thank you for coming and opening our eyes to some of these and, and starting the conversation. And so for listeners who are interested in taking that further, learn more about you and your book, where's the best place they can connect with you online? Yes, goodgirlmyth.com. So goodgirlmyth.com is where you can find out about the book, buy it, and also... There's this really great assessment in chapter three where you can discover your primary and secondary good girl myths. And mine is perfection is my first and logic is my second. And just knowing that has been really helpful to me because it's like every every day I get to say like, okay, how how is this good girl myth coming into my consciousness and how is it directing me and how can I counteract it like you just described? 
All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 146. This week, I challenge you to start taking an audit of the beliefs that you're living by. Why do you do what you do? What really drives that specific behavior? I'm going to tell you, this can take a really long time. I make it a practice just randomly throughout my whole life, especially when I feel like something's holding me back. Sometimes I might hone in on one area, like where am I feeling disempowered, whether it's in my career or my relationship, or what are my expectations for myself? What are those expectations coming from? Is it from my why or my deeply driven passion? Or is it because I feel like I should or I want to look cool? All these things not only keep us in these boxes, it also can keep us chasing a goal that we never really want. Like it's this elusive carrot dangling in front of us. And once we get it, we don't actually feel fulfilled because we're doing it for somebody else's expectations rather than our own and what really drives us in our core. And you know what? This challenge comes up a lot. It's the belief audit. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it, and none of them are really wrong. It really just is about bringing more self-awareness into your everyday activities and taking things off autopilot a little bit. Just don't overwhelm yourself with it. You can sit here and write the beliefs that are running your lives for hours a day for probably the rest of your life. But even just taking a little bit of targeted time to try to figure these things out can give you insight that you didn't have otherwise. Maybe you do it once a month. Maybe you do it just when you're feeling stuck. Whatever you do, I do encourage you to do it in one way or another. And if you haven't listened to episode 145 already, there's actually a lot about intimacy that applies here. Because we talked about how intimacy is really deeply knowing yourself. We tend to place the expectations on our partner to bring out a side of ourselves or to make us feel fulfilled. But when we try to find fulfillment that way, from the outside in, that's when it gets really elusive because we'll actually have it filled and realize that that didn't make us feel fulfilled whatsoever. It's that deep knowing of yourself and knowing what you want out of life and out of a partner and what you deserve that really helps you to feel fulfilled, whether it's in a relationship or in this case of this episode, a career or just the way you interact with the world. So I think that these two episodes go hand in hand really, really well. So if you haven't heard that one, check it out. If this episode resonated with you, please share it on social media, tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. And if you haven't already, I would absolutely love it if you left a five-star review on iTunes. Even if you listen on a different platform, just opening your iTunes or a podcast app, just open the podcast app on your iPhone or the podcast app on your Mac and leave a five-star review. I will love you for absolutely ever. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.